Welcome back to the Educators Room Podcast, a place for educators everywhere, regardless of grade level or content area. Put down your grade books and grab a glass of wine and learn with our host, Francesca. Room podcast. I'm your host, Francesca Warren, and tonight we're going to discuss Donald Trump, our students, ISIS, and xenophobia in the classroom. So it is a chilly night in Atlanta, Georgia. It's December 10th, 2015, and we want to first apologize because it has been about two weeks since we recorded our last podcast, episode 15, and we have been busy. In addition to trying to close out the semester, many of our writers are just on empty. So I thought it would be a good time for me to come back and, you know, have some discussions about what's been happening in our classrooms and the world and what we can do as educators. Anybody who knows me knows that I am a big fan of social justice. I am an advocate. I'm not only a fan, but I'm an advocate of social justice. And I really believe that as teachers, we have one of the most powerful voices in how our students kind of mold themselves, other than parents. And sometimes even more than parents, we have a strong voice with them. So you can imagine my horror, my disdain, my disgust. When last week I was watching the news and I saw that Donald Trump, um, after the attacks in Paris and the attacks in California, called for a ban on Muslims entering the country. I immediately went into my teacher hat and I thought about how many students right now who are Muslim and what it must be like for them to attend school and having to deal with the effects of um, this type of hate speech. And let me say, you know, a lot of people will um, question if what he is saying is hate speech or is a freedom of speech. It's both. We, of course, have freedom of speech, um, but when you single out um, one group of students based on their beliefs or their ethnicity, that's hate. Um, So I immediately thought about those students and what it must be like for them and for the teachers um, and what they're having to do. Just three days ago, I noticed on um, the New York Times, three middle school students were accused of attacking a Muslim student in the Bronx. They accused her of being a part of ISIS and um, they um, attacked her. I'm reading other reports where there was a Muslim shopkeeper punched in the face because um, they thought that he, somebody, his customers thought he was a member of ISIS. So what do we do when we're living in a world where it seems that we are going backwards? People are becoming less tolerant of one another. All we see in the news is this group against this group. And just basic disrespect, unloving talk that people have towards one another. What do you do for as a teacher? And what do you do to protect our students? Let me start with point one. As teachers, it's our responsibilities to, uh, responsibilities to protect our students who may be vulnerable. And right now, I think a lot of our students who are Muslim um, are vulnerable. So as a teacher, I always made it a point to let the kids know that 
any type of bullying, any type of disrespect in the classroom was not tolerated. And even more than my actions, when I saw it going on, I immediately had to address it and let kids know that it's not appropriate. During this time, I think there's a ton of great um, websites for teachers to use. I think the first thing that teachers have to do, especially social studies teachers, because especially in the high school um, and sometimes even middle school, the students are forming their own political opinions. And I think it's important to note that, you know, we have to first teach students that it's okay to be different. On our Facebook page, a teacher commented on this article that we posted today, and she said that she is currently going over, um, she's teaching Islam to the students in her world history class. And she had some apprehension about teaching it, not because she didn't want to teach it, but because she didn't want to be called into the principal's office and people accuse her of, you know, trying to indoctrinate their children. So one of the things that the teacher said when she um, left this comment was today, her exact comments were today she had to teach um, Islam and she asked the students, you know, what do you know about it? And the first thing that they responded was ISIS. And that Islam um, is for terrorists. And she was said she told she had to take a break and she had to tell the students, no, sweetie, that is the farthest thing from the truth. And she kind of had to go back and have them kind of think about, educate them on what exactly is Islam. Now, as a history teacher, it's important for her. It was important for her and it still is important for her, for her to make sure that she clears up misconceptions for students and for herself and her and you know people other people at the school but i think the first thing that teachers can do is have that conversation with students if it's great if it's age appropriate um depending on the school that you're in it might be appropriate in 6th grade depending on other schools you're in it might not be appropriate to 10th grade but i think we have to have a conversation especially if we have muslim students in our classroom that it's okay to be them and that it's definitely okay for them to be different and there's no room for judgment. I think one of the things that we as educators get caught up in is that we don't want to get in trouble. We are coming at time in our history and our lives where sometimes the need for us to stay out of trouble is weakened by the need for us to what to do right by children. So after having that conversation, I pointed this young teacher to um, the Teaching Tolerance website. And one of the things that Teaching Tolerance does, it's out of the Southern Poverty um, Law uh, group on Facebook, but it really teaches tolerance. And I think students need to get a clear view and erase any misconceptions. Um, about three years ago, before I left um, the classroom in schools, I was working in a um, urban school, but we had about a fourth of our population that were Muslim students. And I can remember um, people not understanding, teachers included, why the students were not eating the lunchroom or why the students on Friday left early or why the students would get out get out of class and they would go into the bathroom certain times during the day or other areas, secluded areas. And I remember I, it wasn't until I got particularly close with one of my students that he told me, he said, you know, and I knew this, but it didn't click that we don't eat 
pork. And so a lot of the students in the cafeteria were not eating the food because they felt like that the utensils had touched pork. And so we as teachers, we had to really go to the principal and ask for the staff to be sympathetic to that and to, you know, adopt some different measures and how they clean things, how they prepared food. In addition to that, you know, on Fridays, a lot of our students would go to the, um, um, I can't think, I want to say temple, geez, um, the mosque and pray at noon. And so we had students that would leave at noon, go pray and then come back and they would have to get permission. And so we had to let teachers know about that. No, the students aren't just skipping, but it's a religious um, event for them. And then, you know, most importantly for those students, making sure that they had somewhere to pray while they were, they were at school. And these were little things that we had to do to kind of help these students acclimate to our school, but also to be understanding. I think a lot of times as teachers, we're so used to Christianity that if anybody is different, it really, we're suspicious. As teachers, we are educated. We are some of the most educated people um, in professions. And I think it's important for us to think with not fear, but to think with our minds and say, okay, how can I best support my students? Which leads me to my next point. Um, when I was in the classroom, I taught 9 through 12 English, and we had debate was part of our class. And um, in every election that um, I participated in, um, 2008, 2004, 2000, uh, 2012, we always um, went through and we always had debates about the presidential candidates. And one of the things that I always noticed that my students kind of would tilt towards one candidate, and I always used to do this one activity. I would give them all a different candidate, and I would make them research that candidate, candidate, I'm sorry, and I would make them present as if they were the candidate, candidate, I can't talk for some reason, but I would make them present and I would make them basically debate the other students in the class who were other people, other presidential hopefuls. I say this in saying that Donald Trump, as isolating a figure that he is, as polarizing as the I was going to say some other words. Um, I think it's important for our kids to be vocal and to learn about what this election is about. Um, we need to make sure that they not only know Donald Trump, but they also need to know Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz. And our kids need to be able to have um, intelligent conversations about the policies that are happening in this world and you know what it means for them. So I say that in saying that we are at a time in 2015, we would hope, we would have hoped that we wouldn't be here, but that we as teachers and we as a society where it seems like hate is making it back into the mainstream. And I think as teachers, we have to, number one, be able to protect our students, but we also have to educate our students. And not educating our students in a way to make them think how we think, but educating them in a way so that they can think on their own, especially if you teach high school. A lot of our seniors, students are coming out of school and they know they have to vote, but they don't know the process of picking a candidate. And so they'll just pick whoever their parents pick and they'll become that political party. And I think it's important for us to, for students to watch the debates. In the 2008 elections, I would 
uh, tape the debate and the students and I the next day would literally critique each candidate and each point and we would research and what it helped my students do was for them to understand the issues that were at hand. As we end this first semester and as we uh, begin this holiday in this holiday season, I want all of us to go into January knowing that we are going to hear some things that are not nice by our students, maybe even some of our teachers and our parents. But we as teachers need to make sure that schools are safe, safe places. And so that might mean that, you know, you tell a parent who is particularly vocal about not wanting their child in class with another Muslim student or whatever, that, you know, we want to be inclusive to all students. I'll end this podcast on this note. About three years ago, I took my kids, uh, my inner city kids, on a field trip that changed their life. We went to, here in Atlanta, we went to the Bremen um, Jewish, Muse- Jewish uh, Museum, Jewish Holocaust Museum, I'm sorry. And we did this because we had read the book Nye by Eli Wazal, but we had also, that was about the... Um, Jewish Holocaust, and we had also read the book Left to Tell by Immaculate Ilzaga about the Rwandan genocide, and we had discussed all semester just the intertwining themes. And at the Jewish Bremen Museum, the really cool thing is that you are able to speak to survivors. So once you, survivors of the Holocaust, so once you tour the museum, they will bring you um, into a room, it's a small room, and you will be able to hear from um, survivors of the Holocaust. When I told my kids this, they were just like, what? I mean, they understood what happened because we had read the book, but they didn't really empathize with the Jewish people because it was just, it didn't matter to them. You know, as 15 year olds, they had no clue on how to even process something as heavy as that, let alone the Rwandan genocide. And I can remember us going into the room and the kids were a little bit rowdy. And this little old man, he was very old, maybe 90 plus. He walked in very quietly and he sat down and he began to speak. He had a very thick accent, and as he spoke, the kids got quieter and quieter and quieter until there was a, like, literally, you could hear a pin drop. And he told his story about him being a little boy during the Holocaust, and he told his story about how the Nazi troopers came in and how they stormed his house and they tore up his, um, destroyed his family, and they took his father away because his father was a doctor, um, and they killed his father, and him and his brother and his mom and his sister went to the concentration camps. And he told the story about his mother and his sister and his baby sister being killed in the showers, and he told the story about him getting out out of the being freed from the concentration camps and having nobody and when I looked around the room all of my students were quiet every last one of my students were quiet and these were not students who were um academically inclined you know these were students who were you know maybe second year freshmen um were missing some credits and everybody was quiet and they cried with him and they talked to him. And I remember him showing them his um, numbers that they had tattooed on him at the concentration camp. And him talking about, you know, you have to speak out. If you see injustice, you have to speak out. If you don't speak out, you're just as guilty of who is committing the injustice.
And after he spoke for about 30 minutes, the kids asked questions, he left. You know, we really had about 30 more minutes in that room, just me and my students, just talking through our feelings and just processing. And I could see it in many of their eyes. They just got it. They literally was like, they literally started, everything started to connect. It connected from not only the Jewish Holocaust, it connected to the Rwandan genocide, it connected to things that were happening then. And my students left, I could see on their face that they understood, even though they probably couldn't vocalize it, they understood the word empathy. I asked all of our educators um, to do the same. I ask that all teachers who are struggling with this to really sit back and think what it's like for our students who may be marginalized and what we can do to make our classroom and our schools safe zones. I'm signing out um, tomorrow on December 11th. I will be having another podcast where I'll be talking about our one-day workshops. Um, and if you have anything that you would like for us to discuss, please send us an email at info at theeducatorsroom.com or go to our Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash theeducatorsroom or go to our website, theeducatorsroom.com and we will definitely discuss it. Have a great night and I'll see you guys tomorrow.